listener production. The more I have worked with senior teams, the more apparent it has become that collaboration is absolutely vital, but the way that those people have succeeded in the main has been through competitive behaviour. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. Competition makes us faster and collaboration makes us better, or so the saying goes. And in the workplace, it's so often that we don't understand or think about the distinction between the two, and we end up just competing with people who are actually on our side. I work with teams and individuals to be their most effective. And this issue of competing instead of collaborating is one that regularly presents itself. Why do we end up competing against teammates? And what do we end up competing for? Is this instinct or the badly constructed system of workplaces? To answer these questions and more, and to make us think, I've invited a veteran of team development, a person who has for 30 years helped people realise they're getting in their own way, a playful and laconic teacher of the lessons of being a great team member and a more effective performer. Lex Dwyer owns Corporate Fitness Services, and he's here today to deliver some insights on the question, are you competing or collaborating? Welcome, Lex. Hello, Margie. It's great to see you here. We've known each other for a long time. A very long time. <laughs> so you've based your business around this concept of competition and collaboration. Why does this topic interest you so much? It's a very good question because I sort of like irony. And it seems to me that one of the things that happens in organisations is the irony between thinking that we would all be nodding our heads wanting to collaborate, which is very much the case, but really seeing competition sneak in in many ways to places that we would not like it to. So it's how I got into it, I suppose, is, is interesting because a lot of my work, as you know, is around activity-based learning and experiential learning. And some of my clients were interested in me developing some activities because, Maggie, as you know, I have a degree in fun and games. Uh, so I have a recreation background. So doing things that are active is, is sort of pretty central for me. So I started to explore the idea of creating experiences where pe- people could play uh, in the nicest way with, with collaboration And it started to reveal some very interesting ironies. That is, you know, people thinking that they were really clear that they were going to collaborate in this experience and the, you know, the unconscious bias towards competitive behaviour just continued to shine through. And so I thought, well, this is very interesting and I want to look further at it. So I continued to explore it, mostly through giving people experiences that they could have a go at and see what happened. And they're surprised to this day at how much they compete when they're not trying to. So it's like they're revealing themselves to themselves and each other around this idea of I'm saying I'm collaborating, but actually watch me beat you. Yeah. And really the individual might have the view that, 
I am a pretty good collaborator. I, I, you know, I'm open to it. I, I build relationships and I do things around that. But funnily enough, when they're engaged in doing it with others, the way it works, as in the same in organisations, the way it works is something to do with the way things are structured, the way people are rewarded, the drive for individuals to shine out in the end, uh, whether that be from their career perspective or just wanting to be rewarded via the systems that are set up to reward individual behaviour, probably a lot more than it is collaborative behaviour. So I was going to ask you what causes the competition, collaboration, irony or paradox? Mm. Is it the system or is it the individual? And you've just named a few things Mm. there. I can imagine they're both at play. Yeah, they're they're always at play. And and probably the ones that I've realised over time are most at play is the need for acknowledgement that leads to status that exists within the you know, the pyramid that most organisations have in place and and power, you know. I mean, power is at play and we don't often talk about it. We know it's there when we see people doing sort of some unusual things to, to find their way somewhere up near the top, uh, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things are going on they're not often spoken about because people often don't want to reveal what their real ambition might be. And ambition is not often considered to be something you share right. with others. So it's yeah. a bit insidious Yeah, sometimes. so you started, if I get this right, you started with collaboration exercises yeah. and they revealed themselves as people competing. Oh. Uh, every like time. Ev- every time. Right. I've been in the room with you when that's happened with yeah. groups of people yeah. and I'm still gobsmacked every time. It doesn't matter how explicitly you lay oh, out a rule book, yeah. people's instincts. And so this is where I'm interested, again, whether it's the individual's need for competition yeah. or it's a system or both. And you've just said both, yeah? Absolutely. And, and, you know, people in charge, leading teams, really do want people to try hard and do their best and some of the relatively blunt instruments that are used are based on competitive behaviour and so it's very reliable. You know, Mm. if you pit two people against each other, they know what to do to try and win and what people compete for is really pretty interesting sometimes. Okay, so we might think that they're all competing for attention or, as you said, power, but what else is in the kit bag of competitive...? look, underneath that, it it does sort of boil a bit down to reward. You know, what am I rewarded for um, and how, therefore, do I win? So some people compete to be acknowledged. Some people compete to attract uh, fans. Some people compete via their credentials. Some people compete over innovation. You know, if I think innovation is going to be rewarded in my my organisation, I'll be very concerned about coming up with good ideas for how else we might do things around here. And so it's multifaceted and very varied. And so, you know, when you 
when you start to talk to people about how they're competing, they're not always consciously able to tell you. Mm. And so that's why it's surprising to them that they go, oh, my goodness, you know, I, it wasn't my intention to do that, but here I am finding myself in a situation along with others where it's sort of a bit hard to put, pinpoint why. So it's not my intention to no. compete. No. And yet our attention goes directly to that. And that's how the way we socialise, the yeah. way the rule system there. We start from, you know, schoolyards. Right. You know. And probably before. And absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm the youngest of five. I competed for my food every night. So there we go. <laughs> uh, so it's probably well back in there. What do you think the ideal way of being then is, Lex? Uh, yeah. uh, so people naturally going to compete. Our intention is not to compete and be Mm -hmm. a good team member and we forget to pay attention to the collaboration part. What's the ideal way of being? The notion of paradox is that there's an apparent contradiction between two things. So holding lightly the competitive drive and just seeing whether there's any other ways of it happening. And these, you know, I'm not an expert in collaboration, Margie, I've got to be honest with you. You uh, work on your own, so. I, well, <laughs> but yes. you collaborate with me sometimes. I, yeah, I do. Mm. Um, so not being an expert means that I've just explored the idea a lot and, and in the games uh, I'm very good at creating experiences for people to figure out what, what's going on. So I'm, I'm quite good at doing that. Um, and in the games you see... People put in teams, the combined score of the teams is really how things are measured. And once people are put in a team, they have a sense of belonging to that team very strongly. They want to connect. They want to be a good teammate. But the relationship they have between their team and other teams is quite hard to gauge. And I'll give you an example. Mm. So if we're trying to get a good result for our combined teams and you know, I come to you and I say, Margie, I've got an idea for your team when it's your turn to do what it is you're supposed to do. This is what you should do. And more often times than I can tell you, the eyebrows raise and it's like, what's the catch? Why would you tell me to do that when you haven't done it yourself? And it may be that they've just thought about it after they've tried to do their best. And so the The sense of relationship and the Mm. sense of trust is one of the things that makes it really quite hard to collaborate. So when I'm talking with teams about that, I will ask them, what is it that we saw happen? And they'll be able to describe that. And I'll say, well, why is it that you think that happened when it wasn't what you were trying to do? And they come with all sorts of magical answers (laughs) that aren't necessarily anything to do with the task or what they were doing. It's all to do with uh, not being embarrassed in front of others, not revealing their ideas ahead of time. It's quite private, some of this stuff. And they'll try and you'll say, so is that really about your team looking better than the others? And it's like sideways glances. Uh, Yep. Okay. So the immediate team that we belong to becomes our primary yep. sort of stakeholder or our primary... it's more manageable. Right. Right. What happens to people once they reveal themselves to themselves and each other? I mean, you said a few sideways glances and things, a bit of embarrassment, yeah. but what's the general vibe 
there's a little bit of embarrassment. Mm. There's a little bit of, aha, uh-huh, oh, goodness, you know, I just can't believe. It, it's it's disbelief mostly, mm. and that may be overstating a bit, but, but they find it hard to reconcile what they think should happen and what actually happens. And do people finally get out of their own way after this experience, after their acknowledgement yeah. that, oh, I thought I was collaborating, mm-hmm. but I'm actually competing against my fellow teammates? Yeah. The conversation is really important, and especially if they're an intact team. That is, if it's a team of people who are likely to go back and do work together, uh, that conversation is a really important one. And and that's the sort of aha moment that, I, that I'll be striving for. And I'll say, so if we take that thing that we just saw happen here and we then think about how we might apply that to our real world, the conversation starts to change around, well, we do this all the time. Mm. We withhold information. We don't necessarily offer to help. Um, people go, well, it's actually really hard to ask for help. And you say, well, why would that be? Well, because it might look like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Or and I'm so not you get down enough. to the real, the real problems yeah. or the real issues in it's, a team. You do at least the real acknowledgement that I might need to do something else than just protect my turf or what might seem like something I'm giving you without getting anything in return. So the the notion of giving without receiving isn't always as common as we would like to think. So Lex, would you see this across frontline teams or much more in senior teams? Because as you're talking, mm. I'm thinking mm. this would be evident in more in senior teams yeah. that have their own, whether they want to call it silo or swim lane yeah. or yeah. And then they come together yeah. and they've yeah. got to impress the CEO or whomever it is. No, what, no what's doubt. your view? Well, my best answer to this may not be a popular one, but the more I have worked with senior teams, the more apparent it has become that collaboration is absolutely vital, but the way that those people have succeeded in the main has been through competitive behaviour. When I do activities with more junior people, they are far better at collaborating than the senior people are. That's a great reveal. Can you compete then in some areas and collaborate in others? Are you able to have this sort of juggle of, or do we have to collaborate perfectly all the time? No, no. I mean, you need to collaborate. And one of the messages I would absolutely make clear is it is not about not competing. Everyone needs to compete. They need to have that drive. They need to have that sense of uh, striving. It's just when you dial it up too much, takes value out of the game you know it's like well I leave value on the table if I'm not willing to offer and contribute and collaborate with others so it is absolutely a both game both collaboration and competition are okay it's just in the right mix well today I was facilitating and we had a conversation about one-upmanship is that competing yeah Mm. it is um not always in a, an unhealthy way, you know, so that there can be some rivalry that is useful, you know, and, and oftentimes 
when we're when we're looking at a game that has been played and everyone's there and they can see it, the question I will ask is what happens once a score is registered by the first team? Well, everyone says, well, do better than that. And you say, all right, well, that sort of makes sense for incremental improvement. But if that score isn't very good because that team's the first to try it, no one's ever seen this before, and all we're worried about is doing better than that, is that really very good? And I'll say, normally, well, we didn't know what good would look like in this situation. You go, well, fair enough. But was there anything that you could have done that might have put some frame around something more than just doing better than the other? And when you get down to it, it's about ass covering. Right. And they say, well, what do you mean? And you go, well, as long as you're not the worst in the in the organisation, you know, a lot of teams use league ladders and they have ways of comparing performance, which sort of makes sense. But when I ask people, so if you're at the top of that ladder, are you willingly out there trying to help those at the bottom get up to a standard like yours? No. No, we're not doing that. Well, why don't you do that? Well, it might make us in the longer term less likely to be near the top and we want to be near the top because that's where you get acknowledged and rewarded competition well, that makes sense but i'm going to collaborate yeah. yeah i love the paradox you've painted a really clear picture about that lex so what should we focus on as a team and a member of a team now we're aware of this competition collaboration pitfall yeah. look i i suppose it's thinking whether or not there's things that our team or I could do that would help another person and not necessarily receive anything immediately. I mean, reciprocity is a very strong driver. There's no, there's no doubt about that. So if I offer you something and I don't expect to get anything back, that can work for us collectively over time. So, But you've got to be willing to give something and not expect to get anything back. So what if we've got a team filled with collaborators and there are two competitors? Does that mean that the team's doomed anyway? No, not necessarily. And and I guess my focus is usually about cross-functional teams. So yes, there'll be members within our team who will have a different view about how we should behave or what we should do. My main concern is what are we doing as the marketing team or the production team to help others get better for the greater good of the organisation? Now, that may be a bit too idealistic for some, but for me, if that's not clear, then that's the leader's job to make it clearer for everyone why behaviours that are to do with collaboration need to be rewarded rather than simply rewarding the best performers as the measure of whatever it is that we're trying to do better at. So you almost anticipated my next question, which is about about the role of the leader in creating the right environment that motivates competition at times, but allows us to be our best at collaborating. Yeah. So can we just go even deeper about the leader's role rather than being just being responsible? Mm -hmm. What is it that we need? Well, they need to set up ways of having people feel they can be rewarded for 
collaborating. Mm. And th- these are different measures than the ones that we're traditionally used to. So, you know, having a conversation about in front of the team about what someone has done that was a clear demonstration of what we are looking for more of in our organisation or in our team. And that will have to do with what they have done to materially affect other people's results. That's my my simple example, I suppose. What about KPIs? Should we have collaboration KPIs? we absolutely should. Okay. And what else is the messaging from the leader and the symbols and the behaviour? Well, you, you know, at, at, at the heart of it, it's do we share financial rewards based on collaborative behaviour? And, you know, some organisations are getting better at doing that. So the, the pie is divided up across more than just the best measured result from a, from a dollar or a sales or a whatever uh, perspective. So I, I think that's that's the horizon we're, we're we're pushing towards, so that people can see this is a material reward for our efforts across function. And you know, at a C-suite table where rewards are divided up by the very people sitting around that table, collaborative efforts need to be a, a part of that reward system. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking that a team really needs to be clear on collaboration within the four walls in which they operate as an enterprise or organisation and they can compete with the external environment. Yes. Yeah. That's a much healthier way of thinking Mm. because the value that is lost within those four walls by simply competing more than is useful just takes value off the table. And another question, I know that I have this response. When people compete with me, I often withdraw. Is yep. that a normal response? Uh, I think people are biased towards competition as a statement of the population. There will absolutely be a lot of people like you who say, if that's the way we're playing, I choose not to play. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Lex, what are your top tips for being someone who performs at their best? Yeah is able to collaborate but has enough self-awareness to know when the competition driver isn't serving them well. It's a bit harder, there's no doubt. Mm. I sort of go back to something I said earlier, that if I'm interested to ask other people how I might help them and I build relationships to be able to start to know what other parts of the business or what other teams are doing, I start to know how I might help because one of the assumptions is I'm really busy doing what I'm already doing. I haven't got spare time to be going out to try and find more things to help people with. Yet, you know, some little piece of information that I know is is vital to you and costs me nothing to offer doesn't take me a lot of time, It doesn't take a lot of effort, and it's just the fact for so many people, their focus is internal. That is either within our immediate team or my own personal needs. And when they start to think a little bit more about how do I intersect with other teams, it's amazing how helpful I can be without feeling like I'm losing anything, mm. time or resources or any of the stuff Power. that is held so close. Mm. Yeah. 
Lex, I could talk about competition and collaboration with you for hours because I think it's something that's not talked about very often in teams. And I've seen you help people reveal themselves and help them become much more self-aware and make them ultimately successful in groups. So thank you so much for enlightening all of the listeners about this paradox, this irony of competition and collaboration and how it can sneak up on us. And I really appreciate your insights and your time today. Thanks for being on Fast Track. Thank you, Margie. It's been a pleasure. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Listener.